Welcome to AFSPA Talks, a production of the American Foreign Service Protective Association with Chief Operating Officer Kyle Longton. Be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast channel. Enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome to another episode of AFSPA Talks. This is Kyle Longton, and with me as always is... Hannah Wolfart. Hannah, today AFSPA Talks about diabetes and diabetes management. Um, this is you know something we hear about in the news a lot, but um, we don't always dig into the statistics. And I, I did a quick search and pulled up some information from the American Diabetes Association. And the latest information they had was from 2018. And at that time, they estimated that 34.2 million Americans or 10.5% of the population had diabetes. Um, but they also said that about 20% of that group are undiagnosed. Um, the prevalence is higher among seniors and also higher among some racial and ethnic groups. And in 2017, diabetes was the seventh leading cause of death in the United States. But it doesn't just have a a physical toll. I mean, there's also a financial cost they can attach to that, right? Definitely. Um, Here's some additional stats on the financial aspect of things. And $327 billion in costs of diagnosed diabetes in 2017. And the cost has increased since then, Kyle, um, but that's the stat we have from 2017. And costs can involve medical and prescription as well as reduced productivity. Um, FSBP members are no exception to this. More than 5,000 members with diagnosed diabetes as recognized from the medical and prescription claims We have more than 5,000 members, and this is approximately 6% of our population. So that means that we have a slightly lower incidence of diagnosed diabetes than nationwide stats, but still 6% is pretty significant. Right. Um, And additionally, also, Kyle, I wanted to mention that this Thursday, we have a blog post coming out on preventing prediabetes, which supplements this episode that we're going to have very nicely. And it's so important because we think about diabetes as it, like it's a tipping point, but preventing diabetes. And if you do get it, managing it is incredibly important. And we're absolutely going to talk about that today. But I also just want to mention, um, we'll touch on this with our guests, but there's been some evolutions in diabetes care in recent decades, um, you know, including new oral treatments, uh, medications that, that you can take, time-released insulin. I remember growing up, my grandfather you know, take insulin right before a meal or right after and had to measure it very carefully. Now we've got time-release solutions and there's more accurate um, daily measuring tools that, that people living with diabetes can use to help manage their condition or if they're pre-diabetic to prevent it. That's great. And Kyle, many of many of our listeners might not know that you actually have experience with diabetes yourself. Yeah, I do. I, I mentioned my grandfather, my my mom's also a diabetic, and I was diagnosed last year. And I've I've touched on this in some earlier episodes, and I'm going to discuss my experience a bit with our guest today. Um, but it was a, you know, this was this came about during the pandemic and actually came about at a time when I was doing more physical activity than I had been previously. We were getting out and moving a lot during during the pandemic, but I also wasn't eating that well. Um, and I wasn't taking care of myself in ways that I should have. Um, and the the symptoms came on, for me, it seemed almost suddenly where I my vision was blurred. Um, the fatigue set in. I had almost unquenchable thirst at, you know, during the night, all day, everything. And, and I 
had a suspicion that it was diabetes. And sure enough, I went in and was diagnosed in my A1C, which is the, the main measure um, that we'll talk about with our guests. You know, it was sort of in a very dangerous range. Um, and I, I'm very happy that I've been able to bring my own diabetes under control um, over the last year, about 14 months with some of the, the tools that we're going to talk about today. And I think that's maybe a great segue to, to provide a brief introduction for our guest. Um, Dr. Teja Kampala is the Director of Clinical Products and a Clinical Subject Matter Expert for Diabetes and Weight Management Diabetes Prevention Program. As a board-certified endocrinologist, her responsibilities at Teladoc Health focus on clinical strategy, product development, and clinical analytics across chronic conditions. She is particularly interested in improving metabolic health at a population level by leveraging diabetes technology and innovative care models. Dr. Kampala is also an adjunct assistant clinical professor at the University of California at San Francisco and is a practicing endocrinologist. And I am looking forward to hearing what she has to say about um, her experience in the clinical setting, but also her work with Teladoc Health and, and the Lavango suite of solutions um, to provide support for people living with diabetes. Dr. Teja Kampala, welcome to Ask the Talks. Thanks so much for having me here. Really excited to be here for the conversation. And I'm glad to have you here. And, and you are our first endocrinologist to join us on the, the pod. Um, but for our listeners, can you tell us what that means? Um, you're an endocrinologist. What, what does an endocrinologist do? What do you study? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked because I think a lot of people are not familiar with what endocrinology is, or it's kind of a complicated word or name, but an endocrinologist really focuses on all um, diseases or conditions that are related to hormones. And so most common, a very common thing that I'm dealing with or thinking about is diabetes, but then some of our other conditions we focus on as well are people who are working uh, or have problems with their thyroid. Um, other hormone problems as well, a little bit less common, include in the brain, the pituitary, the adrenal gland. So really the, the common and unifying theme there is hormones and hormonal regulation. Okay. And, and I appreciate that you started off with, with diabetes. And I think anybody who's familiar with an endocrinologist may be familiar because of diabetes and it's November and that is American Diabetes Month. Um, so that's going to be the focus of our discussion today. And diabetes is a growing concern nationally and even within our foreign service benefit plan population. And in fact, efforts to support diabetes management for our members were among some of the first wellness programs and incentives that we offered more than a decade ago. So we've, we've been working with our members to manage this condition, but not everybody, even those who are diagnosed with it, understand what diabetes is. When we hear diabetes, many people think sugar. Um, and some people think, go the next step and think about blood sugar. Um, but I guess that's a good starting place, but we've got you here as an expert. So can you tell us a little bit more about what diabetes is? Yeah, such a good question. A lot of confusion around this. So sugar, blood sugar, glucose, blood glucose, these are all describing similar terms. And I think really the theme or what is going on in diabetes is an inability of our bodies to be able to appropriately handle our sugar. So sugar and kind of more specifically, we're talking about glucose is really the fuel for our body. So think about any bite of food that we have, um, many types of food that we're consuming are entering our body, turning into to blood glucose and our cells throughout our body need to use that as fuel for just uh, working, waking up, living your normal life. We use glucose as our fuel source. 
a couple key hormones are involved and I'll, I'll keep it at the high level. You can push me further, Kyle, if you want us to go deeper, but we kind of throughout our body need to use glucose for fuel and our cells need insulin. So insulin is a key hormone that really helps our body to open up the cells and be able to access and use that glucose. So if you don't have insulin or you have insulin, but you're not able to use it well, what happens then is the glucose doesn't enter your cells and it hangs out in the bloodstream instead. You see elevated or high blood glucoses. And that's kind of really the core problem of what's going on in diabetes. Um, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. And I, I, I just want to go back to something you said, and we'll probably touch on this again later that, yeah. you know, again, we think about sugar, we hear this, you're talking about glucose. We're not talking about just cutting back on candy. We're talking about a number of foods that turn that, that provide and turn into glucose in our system to provide that, that, um, what our cells need. Right. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes, you're absolutely right. So yeah, of course, sugar, soda, things that you think are sweet. Yes, they do go in and turn into blood glucose in your body, but a number of other things as well. So most foods that are carbohydrates. So think about your breads, rices, pastas, which are an important part of our diet. We need them for nutrition, but those types of foods as well turn into glucose. There's nothing wrong with glucose. We need glucose as our fuel source. So when someone is living with diabetes, it's we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but it's really thinking about an approach to a healthy diet where you're getting the right, healthy, um, excellent sources of carbohydrates while making sure we're keeping an eye towards um, kind of portion control and the right amounts of those foods. Okay. And, and if we're talking about insulin in the body and we're talking about maybe not having enough insulin or the insulin, not regulating itself. And so how does that, how does that show up? How are doctors able to, to notice that? What do people feel, um, when, when things aren't working correctly and, and they're, they're diabetic? Yeah. Well, for a lot of people, they may feel nothing, which is, I think, one of the tricky parts about diabetes and also about kind of chronic conditions more generally, right? So high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, especially when they are not so extremely severe. Many people are walking around in their normal lives and not noticing anything different. So I think one key point is that every single person who's an adult should be getting regular screening with their primary care doctor to check and see if they are having any elevated blood glucoses or any early signs that they have diabetes. So I think the take-home point there is make sure that people are seeing their primary care doctor or healthcare providers to get kind of regular appropriate screening. Um, for those who perhaps have had higher blood glucoses for some period of time, or maybe this has been um, something they've been experiencing for months or years without noticing, some symptoms people may notice is feeling really thirsty, feeling like they're urinating more than usual, uh, feeling hungrier than usual. Um, and a lot of people tell me just that their energy or their energy is really low, their fatigue. And so I think keeping an eye towards those symptoms uh, is a great reason to think about seeing a doctor, but also even if you're not having that, don't just assume that you are feeling absolutely fine. You must be fine. Always great to get the screening. You asked you, well, how would you know? So uh, really it's just a combo of a few very common lab tests. So um, we could talk about it more, but one of the most common lab tests we think about for diabetes is the hemoglobin A1C or called A1C for short. And that really is a single blood test that helps reflect on the past few months of how your blood glucoses have been, helps, you know, have they been perfectly normal? Have they been a little bit high? We can use that information to understand how people are doing both for diagnosis with diabetes, as well as kind of management thereon. 
Right. And if we're talking about diagnosis and if we're looking at the A1C, what do we what what is the range that we're looking at? Where does somebody sort of move into pre-diabetes and then actually into diabetes? Great question. So the A1C, um, again, remember that the A1C is really just kind of a surrogate marker for what the blood glucose is actually that you're experiencing are. So an A1C um, for someone who is quote unquote normal, I don't love the word normal, but I'll say healthy, healthy metabolism. So is an A1C of less than 5.7. An A1C of in the pre-diabetes range would be 5.7 to 6.4. And then anything of an A1C of 6.5 and greater is qualified as a diagnosis of diabetes. When someone is diagnosed with diabetes, the goal is to maintain most of your blood sugars in range, quote unquote, in range. And we can talk about that, but really it's keeping your blood sugars less than 180 throughout all the ups and downs of the day, food, et cetera. But the goal A1C for someone who's living with diabetes is 7.0 and less for most adults. Um, in some situations, if people have a lot of other health conditions or a lot of other things going on in life, there might be a, a slightly higher or more liberal A1C goal. But I think for most of your listeners, probably we should think about an A1C of 7.0 as being the goal. I appreciate that. And I want to come back to, to some of the other medical conditions that people most commonly see maybe alongside diabetes. But I also want to take a moment because we we hear about type one and type two diabetes. And I'm wondering if you could tell us sort of what the differences are there and then maybe the approaches to both diagnosing and treating those. Yeah. So this is confusing because people just say diabetes, but the reality is that there's two main types of diabetes. And actually there's a few other smaller forms of diabetes as well that myself as an endocrinologist, I think about those in addition, but the two main two types of diabetes is type one diabetes and type two diabetes. So type one diabetes is the minority. So in the U S it's about 5% of the U S population with diabetes that has type one. And then type two is the majority. So 90 to 95% of people who have diabetes, it's type two diabetes. So what's the difference? Type one is an autoimmune condition. So what that really means is that someone's immune system, their body is itself attacking and kind of affecting the pancreas. And the pancreas is that central organ that produces insulin. Type 2 diabetes, on the other hand, is not technically an autoimmune disease, but it's really a disease with a lot of genetic influence. So I'm thinking about family history. If people have a lot of members in their family who've had type 2 diabetes, that is certainly a risk factor. Um, a few other kind of clinical factors that play into type 2 diabetes would be thinking about uh, insulin resistance, um, how much weight a person carries, and a few other factors as well. I think the key difference here is that on for type one diabetes, from the day of diagnosis, the day you get, you know, told that you have type one diabetes, you're essentially starting to use insulin right away because the body has stopped producing insulin on its own. In type two diabetes, on the other hand, the body is still making insulin. It's just that we're really not able to use our insulin effectively or appropriately. So there um, are a number of things we can do for type two diabetes. We can talk about that a little bit more, but um, changing your diet, focusing on exercise, and then a combination of other medications, as well as insulin are options that are on the table, but insulin is not required for most people from the get-go. Okay. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, since you mentioned it, you know, we're, we're talking about ways with diet and exercise and, and oral medications and so forth that can help manage type two. 
Um, and oftentimes type two diabetes doesn't exist on its own. You, you mentioned this before. What are some of the other medical conditions that often exist alongside diabetes? Yeah. So diabetes and especially type two diabetes can often travel with other conditions. And so some of the, the top ones on my mind are hypertension. So high blood pressure, hyperlipidemia. So problems with your cholesterol, and then also definitely thinking about weight. And if we carry extra weight and particularly the location of weight. So folks, a lot of the time think about abdominal obesity, which means we are putting our fat around our belly. People often think about that waist to hip circumference ratio. So there's something a little bit, um, where you place your weight actually matters, whether it's uh, around other parts of your body or whether it's around your abdomen has an impact. So all, so these conditions, so diabetes, hypertension, um, high cholesterol and obesity often travel together. And actually these are part of the larger umbrella of metabolic syndrome. If you've heard that term before, and really what that means is kind of Yes, they are all separate diseases. They show up in different ways, but they're really similar and connected. Uh, connected, and I think actually the good thing that I'd say is because they are connected and because they're this under this umbrella of metabolic syndrome, what you do for one condition can have really positive impacts on the other. Right. So, for example, if you really modify and approach healthy diet and incorporating more exercise for your diabetes high likelihood that that's going to have really positive impacts on your blood pressure and on, on, um, you know, your cholesterol and your weight as well. That's excellent. And, and those are, those are some of the physical conditions that we see, but we've been talking this year, um, and last year throughout Aspen, particularly on this podcast about, um, behavioral and mental challenges that can come along with physical, um, diagnoses and diabetes is no exception there. It can have an effect on behavioral, um, health of those who are living with the disease. And I also want to say, I really appreciate the language you use and your colleagues use that we're not talking about diabetics. We're talking about people who are living with diabetes. Um, and I am one of those people who's been living with diabetes for just over a year now. Um, I was diagnosed last August and following my immediate diagnosis, one of the hardest things for me was coming to terms with it. Um, and, and that there was a certain amount of hopelessness that I felt, um, not just about some of the physical conditions in terms of blurred vision, um, the fatigue you mentioned, just like three o'clock could not make it past 3 PM in the afternoon without a nap. Um, and some of the other things, but, um, that really weighed on me and, and played a role in, in almost delaying my reaction physically incorporating more exercise and so forth in your role as an endocrinologist, I know you're, you're probably mostly focused on the the physical aspects that we're seeing, but you're not ignoring the behavioral health. And I'm wondering if there's, if you can add any context around that and, and some of what you've seen in your own practice. I'm so glad you brought that up because the truth is, is that yeah, diabetes, it's a, let's call it physical condition, but it is so emotionally laden, right? I think, um, it is, not just for you, Kyle, but for, I'd say probably most people who live with diabetes or have experienced this diagnosis, there can be a lot of feelings of shame and guilt and frustration. And it's so common. So I guess what I'd say first is just to normalize it. And you are, you know, you're not alone. Many people who are going through a similar experience have a lot, an entire spectrum of emotional responses. So I think it's incredibly important for us to pay attention to those the emotional response a person is having, because until you can have acceptance and um, kind of self-acceptance and being kind to yourself and uh, really compassionate with yourself, it's going to be really hard to take care of your own health. So I think 
Um, yeah, I've normalized that this is a common experience if people are having a lot of ups and downs emotionally with their not only diabetes, but other chronic conditions. Mm-hmm. And two, that it's going to be okay. Lots of support out there. Take it one day at a time. And, and that's a, go ahead. Go please. ahead. Sorry. No, please. Well, I was just going to add that um, this is actually a, a, you know, there's a term for this. So diabetes distress, which is separate from depression, it's separate from anxiety, it's its own thing, which is all of the emotional day-to-day burden of living and experiencing diabetes, because there's a lot of work required, right? There's a lot that you're thinking about on a day-to-day basis, food, exercise, checking the blood sugar, and that amount of work absolutely can cause its own, it can carry its own burden. So you, you said, you know, um, an endocrinologist may not focus on this, but I would like to just say, actually, we focus on this a lot. And so I think, you know, primary care doctors, endocrinologists, Yes, it's the medications and talking about all the treatments, but it's also very much talking about kind of the emotional and behavioral aspect of chronic conditions as well, because those two go so hand in hand. And and I love that that approach, particularly I know Teladoc has been taking and building up to the whole person care. Um, yeah. And and I'm excited for for our members to continue taking advantage of that. And I also appreciate what you said. You know, it it you're you're there's a lot of day to day that you're taking on. Um, with a new diagnosis or even a continued diagnosis years in, and maybe you weren't doing it before, particularly after that initial diagnosis, but you can do it. Um, and, and I think that's a great segue for us to talk about how to manage diabetes. Um, and you know, our plan, the, the foreign service benefit plan is approached diabetes management in a number of ways over the years, you know, coverage for nutritional counseling and educational classes, support from nurse care managers, coverage, of course, for medications and testing supplies and medical appointments. But one of the most effective programs we found, one of the most widely used programs across any diagnosis or any support uh, class has been Livongo, uh, which is now part of the Teladoc Health family of solutions under under the Teladoc umbrella, I think we, we discussed before. Um, so I'd like to, to just kick it over to you then, Dr. Kampala. What does Livongo offer for people who are living with diabetes? Yeah, great question. So Livongo, which I'll just share, it comes from the front, the name comes from living on the go. The whole point here is that the Livongo solutions, especially the diabetes focused ones, are to make people's life a little bit easier. We already just talked about the fact that living with diabetes and all of the education and the lifestyle change can be a lot. And so Livongo is really intended to be a support system, a tool, um, And it's both a technology solution with the glucometer, the glucose meter, but also very much a a network where you can get additional support with our expert coaches. So specifically, what does Livongo offer? I think about it in kind of three main aspects, but there are some specific um, kind of offerings within our program as well. The first, though, is having it really effortlessly easy to get your blood glucose data. Um, So think about the glucose meter. So it comes with right out of the box, ready to go. And when you check your blood sugar, you're getting immediate information about, oh, this was in range. Awesome job. Keep it up. Or, oh, this was really low. Do you need some tips on what to do? And I actually think that's really helpful because a number itself is not that meaningful unless you understand what you're supposed to make of that information or what you're going to do with it. Um, So related to the data piece too, I think another really important point is 
data is only good as it is useful, right? So unless it's useful to you or to your healthcare provider, it's not that helpful. So the data, we try and make it as useful as possible, not only with those real-time kind of immediate feedback, but also allowing people who are in our Livongo program to share that data easily with their healthcare team, also with their family or friends if they're interested in doing so. I think the second aspect of Livongo that I'd like to mention is that there is some personalization. So people are getting personalized insights. So whether you are a person who's really interested in nutrition or whether you're a person who's really interested in learning more about medications, and also we use our kind of um, machine learning to understand, well, what are people interested in and how are things going with their diabetes to really make sure people are getting kind of the right information that's going to be the most helpful to them. And then the third thing I'd say is human, human support, even though, yeah, even though, you know, you can have all the great, um, online recipes to read and everything through the meter at the end of the day, it can be so impactful and so helpful to just have live conversation. So we have expert coaches. And so these are coaches who are focused on diabetes, also focused on hypertension, and they are available 24, seven, 365. So our coaches um, uh, all come from a healthcare background and those who are focused on the diabetes program also additionally have uh, advanced certification in diabetes as diabetes educators. So they have that CDCES, which is the certified, certified diabetes care and education specialist. So these coaches are awesome. Um, you know, they're really the creme de la creme. They can help people not only with understanding diabetes, but Kyle, they can really help with kind of that emotional aspect as well. Um, you know, motivation, accountability, goal setting. And so I really think of the coaches as one of the most awesome parts of the Livongo program because they can really be partners. Wherever you are in your diabetes journey, they can partner with you and help give you whatever support for where you are right now. Yeah. And, and I'll just I share my own experience in that when I was initially diagnosed, having problems with it, connected with a, a coach um, a, a handful of times and, and we've stayed in touch as, as needed, but she's the first person who gave me hope about my diagnosis. I mean, my doctor was great, confirmed that I I had an A1C of 13 um, and um, I, you know, I, I didn't see well enough um, to drive. I couldn't drive a mile from my home to pick my kids up from daycare, anything like that. And I thought that was just going to be my reality. Um, I was going to have these dizzy spells. I was going to feel tired. And she said, no. Once you get it under control, shout out to Linda. Once you get it under control, um, things are going to get better. You're going to, you might, you have changed a little bit, but things are going to go back to, to closer to what you were experiencing before. Once you get things under control. And, and I've been using Livongo for, you know, about 14 months now, my A1C is down to six and has been holding there since January. Um, and, and I continue to use this and I love being able to send the reports to my dietitian. Um, when we meet a couple times a month and to share with my, my primary care provider, when I see him um, once or twice a year, it's incredibly easy, but the, that data and the ease of accessing it, just pulling it up on your phone or on the meter itself is so helpful and getting those nudges. You know, my, I had a day this week when my before breakfast reading was a little higher than it should have been because of dessert the night before. And it said, Hey, and the meter said, maybe have a, a low carb breakfast with some uh, healthy fats and proteins and check again after. Um, and just, just that reminder um, that this is manageable. The whole day is not shot because your first reading was high. Um, get back on track, stay on track is so incredibly helpful. Um, That's such it, a great story. Your story is so inspirational. Kyle. I'm so glad that you shared that with both me and with everyone. Yeah. Because I think one thing I'd say too, is you said this yourself, like you were worried this would just be your reality. And I think one really important thing people need to know is that 
chronic conditions are common, diabetes, hypertension, but you people can get them into control and live a long, happy, healthy life. And so, yes, it can feel like a big deal. And it is a big deal to get a, a new diagnosis to live with a condition. And yet there are so many things out there, including Livongo, as well as a number of other things out there that can really help people get their conditions in control. So you can live your longest, happiest, healthiest life. Absolutely. And, and I'll just say mine is a bit of an extreme example with sort of an A1C of 13, but my experience in terms of bringing my A1C down is not unique. Um, we have seen, and I'm looking at the latest stats that I've received that, um, you know, our members, this is, these are FSBP stats. Um, our members have, have reduced their A1C if it was over 7% by an average of 1.35% after being enrolled for 90 days. Like the, the we are seeing results um, and people are staying engaged. They're using the program. Um, you know, 86% are using their device regularly. 77% are going through self-guided activities. 51% using digital coaching. They're great little challenges to do on a weekly basis. And about 8% are engaging in that expert coaching when needed with that, with that human touch, which is so important to have that support. So um, it, it, it has been a, a fantastic program. We're seeing members check their blood sugar on average 25 times per month. My guess is um, uh, that a doctor would prefer to maybe see it a little bit more often than that, but we'll, we'll take it better than 25 times a year. Um, <laughs> so I, it, it is an incredible program and I would encourage anybody out there who is living with diabetes and hasn't engaged in the program, um, to, to do so. And I'll provide some information about that later, but, um, Dr. Kampala, this has been a, a fantastic discussion. And before we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to add anything that you feel that we've missed in our discussion today? No, I mean, I think we really covered a lot related to both diabetes and through the Livongo program. So I think this has been awesome. I think one final thing that I just add is that we're really in an interesting time in diabetes management right now where there are so many advancements compared to even about five years ago or 10 years ago. And so I would just like everyone to know that both from some technology aspects, like for example, continuous glucose monitoring and also just medications, there are so many better types of medications out there. Um, the, the combination of technology, medications, and then programs like Livongo, where you're getting that additional support, I'm really feeling optimistic. I think this is a, a good time where people who are living with diabetes can get the support and care that they need. Um, and so, yeah. Love, love to end on an optimistic tone, <laughs> a, a, a bright spot. So Dr. Tasha Kampala of Teladoc Health, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Foreign Service Benefit Plan members who qualify for the Livongo program will be contacted to enroll. To learn more, visit get.livongo.com/fsbp. The program is available free of charge to qualifying members. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Ask the Talks, a production of the American Foreign Service Protective Association. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show and tell your friends about it. We welcome your feedback on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Look for at AskTheCares. All information offered in this podcast is meant to be educational. Comments offered by the hosts or guests are not intended as medical advice. Please direct questions about your personal health needs to a provider. Should there be any discrepancy between information offered in this podcast and official plan documents for the Foreign Service Benefit Plan or other products offered by ASPA, the policy provisions will prevail. Special thanks as always to Hannah Wolfhart for producing, editing, and mixing this episode. We'll see you next time.